Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, WrestleManiacs. That's a, a new name there for the Mandem. This is part two of our WrestleMania 3 extravaganza. If you've missed part one, why not go back and listen to that first? Otherwise, the ghost of Junkyard Dog will come to your house and f*** your mum. Mark. I know, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm with the show. We get a quick uh, interview with the Macho Man Randy Savage. That's right, yes. After this. Um, he's quite like Liam Gallagher in this. <laughs> he's really well, good. Well, so he's getting into... So, um, Elizabeth... Miss Elizabeth... Miss Elizabeth... Miss Elizabeth... Is getting uh, interviewed and... Um, By Mary Hart. That, yes, that's right. And, mm. uh, of course, Gorilla has a few things to say about that afterwards. Yep. Um, so, and then Macho Man basically crashes the, 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 the VT, crashes the interview and goes, Why do you want to talk to me? And, like, yeah. and, 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 and Hart just wants to talk to Miss Elizabeth. Yeah. yeah. I don't know, female perspective on things. I don't yeah. know. But Macho Man just, like, scares... Like, I think, doesn't he send Miss Elizabeth off? He I does. Yeah, and he I, I, it, it's a good bit. Get out of here. the Macho Man. As time went on, he always used to do these sort of quite mad interviews mm. and things. And this one, he's really good in. Yeah. It's, because it's about something that matters to him a great deal, which is that you don't come near Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> uh, it, it, they were married in real life, and he was super, super... Protective, protective yeah, of her. Yeah. Um, Hulk Hogan once said Randy Savage had one-way heat with everyone in that he, he would see everyone plotting against him. He'd have real problems. And everyone was like, well, it's all right, mate. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> so he's... he's but on this, he actually really... He, he's good at it. He's really got it good. And he just does a... I love the end line where he's talking to Mary Hart and he just says... Uh, he says, mm, my, my phone number's on the back of my license plate. Mm. <laughs> like that. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> but he's, he's really good. Oh, that, that wasn't the greatest match of my impression. Let me. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. No, I can't do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. My, my number's on the back. No, no. He got all Indian. <laughs> I can't get it. Uh, do you know what? I always thought I could do a Randy Savage impression, and I realise I've only ever done it either in my head or in my own house when I there's remember, no one there. I remember we were in a pub when we heard that Randy Savage had died, mm. and you gave me a pint and said this is the first post-Randy Savage well, pint. Sadly, there, there have been many pints since then. <laughs> it's been a long time. He, yeah, he, he uh, 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 again, he had a, he had a heart attack mm. uh, uh, at the wheel. Uh, one of those things that a lot of wrestlers do tend to die behind the wheel of a car. Strange Mainly like... because a lot of them are travelling from place to place all the time. Right, OK. But, um, They're never off the road. Yeah, very sad about Randy Savage. He's, he, you know, it was, I was watching some of his later stuff the other day and 
I didn't really appreciate just how good he was at the mm. time. At this point, oh, well, we're going to talk about it, but at this time, he is just phenomenal. And I think he always struggled to match up to this, such a high bar that yeah. he set himself in these early days. So um, uh, it comes off the back of the of the VT and uh, what I quite like about um, uh, Gorilla Monsoon is, is basically going, oh, she, she didn't have much respect for for the macho man when in, in you know, in our, in our attention, like uh, macho man just kind of crashed the interview. This is a very different time when the <laughs> hates women. sexual aggression of male performers is no longer accepted. In the way that Gorilla thinks it is. Goodness. Bit of a shame. You know, he said his number was in the back. (laughs) His wife was there, and this woman didn't try and pick him up. Disgraceful. Um, And then there's there's another VT with um, Fabius Moolah reading cards like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. Do you know who. This is King Harley Race versus Junkyard Dog. I think it's match Mm. four. Do you know Moolah wasn't supposed to be the woman carrying the crown? Right. It was supposed to be Samantha Fox. Is that right? Yeah. And she oh, had was a, she like a global act well, at the she time? She just had a sort of album out. Right. But I think there was that thing of she was like Sabrina. They did well because they were quite fit. Mm. And, you know, in the 80s, there was no one fitter than Sam Fox. Mm. And she was supposed to do this. She pulled out for reasons that no one knows. But what's funny is you can hear some of the lines during the match where they're all talking about how gorgeous Moolah, Moolah is. is. So oh, Bob right, Uecker okay. does a line where he sort of says, <laughs> I'd love to stay here, but I'm going to go and chase after Moolah. Oh, that's why he does that. Oh, I that works if it's Sam Fox. Well, he's an older man, and I thought yeah. maybe he... Maybe at least I, I thought fair play. At least he's gone for his own. Uh, his I, I own like age. Moolah. I I got a lot of time for Moolah. I would I would love to sit down. Had she not died with Moolah, and I would spend hour after hour getting drunk with her. It would be fantastic. I don't know how many people find Moolah sexually irresistible. Bob Uecker. Bob Uecker. Oh my god! If I mean if Sam Fox had been there, he'd have been in the ring. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Terrible way to phrase that. Yeah, because he leaves, doesn't he? He sort of leaves during one of the... Yeah, <laughs> it, it makes sense if he's chasing after Sam Fox. Yeah, um, uh, this more is, creepy, but I mean, this, I just... Uh... This again, uh, one of those matches <laughs> that the crowd cannot wait to see. They are so yeah. excited. Harley Race, one of the great NWA champions, comes right. to WWE. He wins this King of the Ring thing, but Harley Race as a worker is phenomenal. Mm. His stuff sort of from the, the late 60s all the way through to the mid-80s is fantastic. Mm. He comes to WWF, he's at the end of his career, and he's taking it easy. Mm. They've given him this gimmick of being a king and junkyard dog, who is the common man, yeah. comes in, and, and the match itself lasts for three minutes. Yeah, it's a really short one, isn't it? Yeah. But there, oh, there's a couple of bits. There's a bit where junkyard dog clotheslines Harley Race over the ropes. Mm. And Race, he just sort of stretches himself out, and it's just the funniest thing he goes over <laughs> with such ability mm. that it just I mean it's a thing of you beauty it's like yeah. gymnastics and there, there's a moment where your dog, dog gets um, panned off the off the ropes I don't know what you'd call it but he sells every he mm. doesn't just sell his own moves he sells everybody else's moves so well what? And, I, and I was thinking at the time I was thinking if I was into wrestling back then he would be my famous, f- favourite wrestler because he's funny yeah. he's got an adorable face yeah. and he's just good they, they also were two guys who were used to selling out the biggest places mm. for wrestling. So Junkyard Dog really made his name uh, as, as pretty much the first black main eventer mm. in America. But he was filling out places like the, the, the Superdome mm. in New Orleans, huge venues, and mm. he was used to that. He has a really, really good rapport pretty much with everyone in the audience. Mm. Junkyard Dog is not remembered fondly. 
he was a big draw. He was good on the mic, but he was so bad in the ring that people don't like him. And you mm. watch him now with the benefit of not having sort of seen him for 20 years. He's great. I thought he was good. Really good. Yeah. And the crowd, they when he puts on the robe at the mm. end, which clearly he's never been asked to do before. <laughs> it's like, it was like watching when there's a, there's, a, there's a clip of Mario Balotelli, the Italian footballer, mm. who, and he just can't get a bib on. No. He can't put a bib on. It was like watching that. I was like, uh, is, is he going to He's looking for armholes. He's putting it on his head. It's on his, it's on his arm, hanging off like one shoulder. And he, he's spinning it round. And then he just goes, fuck it. This is I'll not going to get I'll better. just put it over me, uh, over me back, but, Robert Palmer. Oh, but didn't I look at that and think, oh, you know, I love you i love you for just the fact that uh, it's hundred thousand people do you want to have a go at trying that no of course i don't it'll be fine and, uh, and also um is it fair to say since the last one he's been eating a bit oh he's, yeah he's not in peak oh condition. yeah you see him you see him by the this is 87 you see him by 91 right he looked like he's going to give birth to a litter <laughs> my god but it's that kind of like wrestling dum-dum that's not there's no wobble in it no it's just solid beer <laughs> it's wonderful uh, amazing he he, he does does a couple of really nice um, little uh, 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 interviews as well, mm. and there's just one that I really loved, which I thought I like it when when, when they say something. And I think, oh, is that disrespectful? Don't know. He's talking about uh, having to bow down to the king. Mm. This is what the the theme of the match is: yeah, bow down yeah. to the king. And he says to Mean Gene, uh, I, "I won't do too much of the voice, but it's an affectionate parody." <laughs> um, the only time my mama and papa told me to bow down to anybody. It was the whoop, 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 good lord above. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do the barking thing. It's gone backwards. It's, it's gone backwards. <laughs> Junkyard God. <laughs> that would have been a very strange one. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was that was uh, even though it was very short. I just like Junkyard Dog. So, I, so, so up oh, everyone. wasn't he nice? Wasn't he <laughs> nice? Uh, then we get an interview with Hulk Hogan. Yes. Um, uh, uh, oh, mm. <laughs> uh, it's one of those things that at the time wasn't problematic. But with the benefit of hindsight, <laughs> it becomes quite a pointed thing right. that seems like he was trying to tell us what was happening behind the scenes. Okay. So Vince McMahon comes out, and Vince McMahon is looking at him like like he suddenly realised a co-worker, like a secretary has taken off her glasses and done her hair down, mm. and he suddenly just looks at him like, God, you are beautiful <laughs> and he's almost licking his lips and Hogan is doing this this big very Hulk Hogan sort of uh, 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 promo where he's sort of going it, they said it was the last ride yesterday when I finished hanging and banging all this and uh, yeah. I hate the phrase hanging and banging hanging and banging weird uh, he jumps on his Harley um, but then he starts saying he's talking about Andre has to beat him mm. and there's a quasi religious thing where he says uh, I realise sooner or later you're going to live and die and you're going to face the truth. For you, Andre the Giant, it's time to face the truth, brother. Because when I think about what you and I have to do, man, what I have to do is nothing. All I have to do is merely beat a seven foot four, five hundred and fifty pound giant. But Andre, you got to face the truth, brother, in its purest form, man. The purest truth there is, man. <laughs> and I was thinking, does he think he's Jesus? <laughs> Has he gone a bit sort of? Everyone's saying, you're, you're, oh, he's like a superhero. And his mind has snapped. <laughs> then he starts saying this thing about why it's hard to beat him. Mm. This is the thing. And he says, you to beat me, you've got to beat every little Hulkamaniac. Everyone that plays it straight. All the ones that don't take any shortcuts, brother. And what this is, is in 1992, you find out that Hogan has been a long-time steroid user. Right, okay. There's a really weird thing that when you say, you've got to beat all my little fans... The first thing you say about your little fans is 
that they play it straight and they don't take shortcuts. <laughs> it can only really be referring to him saying, I'm not on steroids, in, in a really in way. Mm. I found that really odd to put in there. It really took me out of it, because I sort of go, also, I know you are doing that. You know, <laughs> that was proved in a court of law. Um, and maybe if Andre had taken some, he wouldn't be in the state that he was. Yeah, man, Andre <laughs> took a different type of, uh, of, of uh, uh, painkiller and body enhancer, and that was red wine. All <laughs> <laughs> well, those tiny little cans of beer. Yeah. Those quaint little cans Nature's of beer. Nature's painkiller. Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, but it's sort of end. I think it's that video that ends with like a little bit of French. Because mm. uh, it's just like what? what? <laughs> what it? That's I, the dream team. I was at the dream team after it. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah I wrote it down. My notes. I was like, I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on in the hall of that. Video. No, uh, I mean, it's confusing. It's, they are good though. You're absolutely right that they, they, those interviews all work. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they're so much better. They're so much better than they were on the last. They one, don't. They're not look live. Bad. And also, don't make sense. Well, also, like, um, uh, is it, uh, is it Mean Gene? Who's the guy with the, m- the moustache? The yeah, Mean Gene. Yeah, so Mean Gene. In this one, you can really see uh, his freckles. <laughs> his, his sun freckles. <laughs> liver spots. It's, your liver spots and sun freckles. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's getting older, isn't he, year by year? <laughs> um, so then we get to the next match, which is the Rougeau brothers versus the Dream Team. Johnny yes. V uh, and Dino Bravo are their uh, sidemen. Dino Bravo would have a, a sort of quite long career uh, in the WWF. He's one of those guys, again, they never mention anymore. Right. Because he was murdered. He was involved, uh, I think, in the early 90s. He was involved with some uh, gangland stuff in right. Montreal. Uh, the illegal cigarette trade. Uh, and he was he was murdered. So Shag Marlboro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's uh, he was one of those guys as well who I don't think anyone really enjoyed watching. Um, just a <laughs> just unlovable. Know, oh, he was, it is slow and he was boring. Um, uh, Brutus Brutus Beefcake. He seems to have joined the Manic Street Preachers. Yep. in this one. Yep, that was uh, very much ahead of its time. <laughs> um, the the oh, I, I, I t- talking about not being ahead of its time. There's a little bit there where they reference these women at ringside, and right. they they're called the Federettes. And they're sort of just taking the bits and bobs from the ring. Mm. I bet those Federettes have some stories that would make your hair stand <laughs> on end. Tis the year for it. Tis the year for <laughs> yeah. it. That's what I'm saying, Mark. Again, it, it, it's a nothing match this. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Rougeau brothers. Mm. They were uh, two Canadian real-life brothers. Mm. They came from uh, a wrestling family. Yeah. And they were really, really good. They have some stuff sort of uh, later, some matches later in the sort of uh, late 80s against people like the British Bulldogs and the Hart Foundation. Mm. And they were a really good pair of wrestlers mm. also sort of notoriously quite tough um, it, that funny thing in a wrestling dressing room if you've got your brother there you're always going to be twice as hard yeah. uh, as you would be otherwise um, and they are very very underrated mm. uh, nobody talks about the Rougeos they are surprisingly good also oddly in all the years of making figures they've never had figures and they, oh. they're, they're just strange sort of thing they <laughs> must sort of think oh this is this is some Annoying. weird vendetta <laughs> um, there's there's uh, some some famous uh, a big famous story about their having a, a, a punch-up with Dynamite Kid, which is uh, a gruesome one of those wrestling stories from backstage that everyone knows about, mm. but nobody knows the truth of. There's so many right. different different variations. Uh, worth Googling. <laughs> worth Googling. Um, they left Brutus behind. They did, yeah. And this is only done so I'm that sad. he can come, come back, back suddenly. Yeah. What's funny about that is you sort of get the impression he really lucked into the gimmick of the barber. Mm. And so from this point on until the early 90s when he has a parasailing accident that just stops his career, his mm. face gets smashed by the knees of uh, someone on a paraglider. Um, <laughs> it's such a strange world. Um, but he, he gets this gimmick by mm. uh, in the next match, yeah. which basically makes him millions over the Incredible, next years. Incredible, really. Yeah. Um, mm. Greg Valentine 
Valentine in there as well. Good, solid, dependable, boring Greg Valentine. They're really excited because he's got a new gimmick, which is he's got a coat. That's right. <laughs> now, that is as big a gimmick as he ever had in his career. <laughs> and it is the most exciting thing about him is he's wearing a coat. <laughs> um, um, the Hammer has got uh, the same hair as Hulk Hogan. He's got, he's got yes. that similar He-Man hair. And I, I was trying to remember which wrestler it was, and it was the Hammer. I went to, I, when I went to uh, a WrestleMania, I went to Hall of Fame, mm. and... Uh, Greg Valentine was there mm. and he was one of the guys who I sort of was walking in and he was he was walking out again he must be 60, 62 mm. I mean just looks like he's bought, built of cement <laughs> but he had his face is so solid looking it's like it's been carved out of oak and it's just immobile he was astonishing he actually I looked at his hands and his hands just looked like really dry hands they were astonishing <laughs> I sort of wanted to have a little nibble <laughs> people like uh, like those big uh, those big deer um, legs you see in the front yeah the jambon yeah exactly jambon like hands. that he looked like he was made of <laughs> like Italian air dried ham <laughs> oh, but my god he is you know uh, uh, you know he's he's a good hand but he was always dull right uh, and he was he was very lucky I mean he stayed around for another you know, well into the sort of the 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 glory days of the cartoons, and he mm. always slightly stuck out of uh, uh, because he didn't really have a cartoon character. Right. Later on, they try and dye his hair and make him do a Roy Orbison gimmick. Uh, Roy Orbison, <laughs> I know. In when's this? This is nineteen ninety. My God, I think Roy Orbison was still alive, yeah, which made him even barely. less relevant than if he'd have died. <laughs> Um, oh, but yeah. We're going to do a soldier, soldier. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> a pretty weird. Where did that come from? <laughs> I'm noting that down. <laughs> oh. um, yeah, uh, very weird. Uh, but so then we move on to um, the, the 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 VT with um, uh, Piper and Adonis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't realise that Adonis started as a tough biker guy. He was, yeah, for most <laughs> of his career. And then he turned into that monstrosity. He did. he did. What's funny is when he does this sort of interview as well, he sort of goes, I'll do this camp gimmick. But mm. when I speak, I ain't, I ain't doing no gimmick. <laughs> Not doing I gimmick. Yeah, I'm going to smash you up. They also, I think he, I can't remember if he is from New York really, but they use New York yeah. as a signifier because as soon as you leave New York, crowds will boo you if you're from New York. Uh, and if you're playing a gay character, they're like, yeah, the city people. Yes, you know, <laughs> with their with know, their gender, their, in, their interests, their gender fluidity. <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, he he is great. He is yeah. so good in this match. Piper is also brilliant. I, it's a funny thing where just for a short period, as he goes into Hollywood, Roddy Piper becomes really handsome mm. in a way that he isn't in WrestleMania one or two. <laughs> and in one year, he's sort of like really good looking, and he's mm. like an A lister. You know, an A list. Well, let's say A lister. That's that's a bit strong. He looks like a movie star. Yeah. And then he goes off. And the reason he has his retirement match here is he is going off to Hollywood. Yeah. So he starts making a couple of films like Hell Goes to Frogtown. Quite sort of, you know, high-budget B-movies. Uh, and then he makes They Live, which mm. is, you know, a, a great film. Like all wrestling retirements, this one lasts as long as it takes for the promoter to, cut, say, come back. <laughs> so he is back in a couple of years. Yeah. But at this time, I think people are really thinking they're going to see him, never going to see him again. Mm. There's a funny bit at the end where a guy storms, uh, an audience member storms into the ring. So as Piper is celebrating, right. the guy just runs in. Ah. And Piper, unusually, realises, actually, the cameras are all on me. Everyone's looking at this. This guy's happy. So he gives him a handshake and a hug and then sort of lifts the guy's arm up. 
And as the cameras cut away, you can see the security just smashing into him. <laughs> I mean, I mean, oh. who like? I can't imagine what a security guard that works on the wrestling. What physicality oh. he has to have? I just a friend of the wrestlers. Do you know what the worst thing about it is? And I know this. This certainly isn't the case now. It's very professional now. But in the old days. Where would you take someone who had got into the ring? Well, you don't take them back into the crowd. You take them to the dressing room. And if you take them to the dressing room, no one can see what's going to happen. So I, I couldn't work out if it was on this or if I'm watching something else. But I'm sure there's a bit where they, they, the commentators do literally go, oh, he's going to get a night in the, in the beat-down hotel. I mean, literally sort of saying, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, what's going to happen to that young man is he's going to be brutally assaulted. By <laughs> Professional, yeah, muscle men. His crime was he believed the thing that we want you to believe, <laughs> and he was so full of joy that we're going to kick it out of him. <laughs> oh, good! I feel much happier about this. But, um, but Adonis uh, died so young, so mm. very young. Uh, he, was, he crashed a car, didn't he? He, crashed, he, he, he was, was a passenger week, in a car. A passenger, that crashed, yeah. yeah, I think it hit black ice uh, when they were doing a tour of the Canadian provinces. The, um, yep. The, the, this match with, with Roddy um, turning it over and getting, you know, getting the. The, the, the upshot on uh, yeah. like was it incredible like that was a real kind of like oh yeah. wow that was like absolutely on the back of your neck kind of bloody hell and you know Piper is not only when he b- stopped being a bad guy and this is the first Wrestlemania where he's a good guy mm. he was so popular he was Hulk Hogan level popular mm. And Adonis is great because he's everything the audience hate. Mm. There's someone in the audience holds up a sign that says AIDS Adonis on it. Yeah. And again, you know, it's a funny thing, but, you know, you think back, when you were playing a gay character, you had to be hard. Because mm. if you were out in the middle of, you know, Arkansas after a show and someone came up to you in a bar, hey, ain't you that faggot? <laughs> you had to be able to fight because mm. you were going to have to. You see stuff like that, that AIDS Adonis, that isn't just a character that you go, he's the bad guy. People hated him. Mm. He represents everything they fear. And so Piper is going against this figure of sort of blackness. I tell you, oh, there's a bit, simple bit, where Adonis has the shears and he hits them on the ropes and they bounce back and hit him in the face. Mm. His timing on all of that <laughs> is just perfect. I, I, I could watch that again and again. I find it not only realistic... I find it funny. He just does it really well. <laughs> what I like, what I like about it is that the clippers were terrible. Oh, the clipper, the, this it, is junkyard dogs cape, cape all over again. <laughs> Hundred thousand people here. Do you want to give it a no? Should we get bother. some good clippers? Nah, sod it. And think what the reaction would have been like in the audience <laughs> if they'd have shaved off Adrian Adonis's hair. I know. And instead, he's having to sort of go, "Ah, oh, don't look," because. He's not really lost it just much takes, hair. Yeah, it just takes so long for it to sort of happen. Mm. And then somebody throws in some scissors. Clearly, oh. why that wasn't the backup immediately anyway. Yeah. Oh, you, and, and dreadful. The, the, the hair versus like, hair for, match. Forgetting that, forgetting that um, hair gets slippery and yeah. clippers just don't work on their hair. His hair also. I mean, <laughs> it, it, we talk about like he's supposed to be notoriously sort of unclean. <laughs> when oh, Piper's God. holding up his hair, he's sort of like going, look at this hair. And it just looks sticky and like a wad. <laughs> and it looks like chewed up gum. And it's it's all, you know, uh, uh, hair versus hair matches. Big thing in wrestling for a long right, time. Okay. Huge in sort of uh, Mexico for years. So you do, so whoever wins, um, they yeah, get a shave of you put head. your hair up. There's a funny thing about it where it's sort of lost it slightly over the years because we have a culture now where people shave their heads. Yeah. Back then in the 80s, I mean, imagine someone saying to you, we're going to shave your mullet off. You'd be like, <laughs> well, you know... 
Jeez, I, I mean, that's you my know, power. That's where my power's from. You know, no, no guys, no girls are going to have coke off a key with me now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> with my suit jacket rolled up to the elbows. Yeah. So it's just a shame they do it really badly. Mm. Um, it's it it, it 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 is a shame, and it's also Adonis's last hurrah, as you mm. say. You know, I think within within a year and a half, unfortunately, he's he passes. Uh, funny again, you know, he's in one of these huge matches, and they've never put him in the Hall of Fame. Oh really? And you know he does Piper's retirement match mm. at WrestleMania three. He he was a tag team champion with with Jesse Ventura. Funnily, back in his sort of biker days, mm. um, and he was a really really good ring performer. Um, I think he's probably what it is is he's just been forgotten about. I mean, yeah, but he's one of the more uh, not notorious, but he's, he like, he's got a different thing to everyone else. Mm. You know, I, 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 who's that guy who came after him who had a quite a, uh, a fairly gay persona? Um, Alan Carr. <laughs> Uh, oh, he had like a. He, did he spray paint himself silver or something? Gold dust. Gold dust. Yeah. He was quite uh, sort of David Boy, wasn't he? He was quite yeah. sort of like. He, he, he was, was an camp, attempt to do something a little bit sort of more mature. Mm. And actually, I mean, I mean, I mean. It was, like, was it the kind of, kind of time that Marilyn Manson was around and stuff? Yeah. Was that kind of like yeah. gender bending kind of. There's a famous story about the Dustin Rhodes, uh, who was the guy who played Gold Dust. Yes. He did it particularly well. He was a good wrestler. Oh, he was Dusty Rhodes' son. Dusty Rhodes' son, yeah. Yes. And he, he, he did it. There was a talk at one point in like 98 that he was going to agree to have uh, actual silicon breasts. Put in. He's denied the story, but apparently it had been going around that they wanted him to do that. You know, so they were trying to do something. He was particularly good at it. I think he stopped it just being. Again, it was a weird thing even in the mid 90s. Mm. The American audience, for them, they were like, you know, oh, this is disgusting. Yeah. You know? Whereas I think here, everyone was like, oh, that seems like a sort of quite nice, you know, modern contemporary spin mm. on this strange sort of asexual, pansexual. Mm. Sort of, you know, it was an. Int- you know. I've, ne- I've never understood the the, the American kind of, uh, like you remember, like uh, they found out Freddie Mercury was gay. Like yeah. after ten years of going, come on, mate, have yeah. a word. Like you know, like he's I mean, clearly gay, but like, but um, and, and and you know, people wouldn't buy the records. No, but I, because the lead singer, the most flamboyant lead singer you've ever seen in your goddamn life. Yeah, like you know, like yeah. a bit of block. It's it's incredible in this country. You know, credit Elton to John, us. another one. Credit to us. We have always grown up with some of the biggest television shows mm. being presented by people who are, if not openly gay, obviously gay. Mm. And we've all sort of you know grown to use in America. They have a thing called Fire Island, and they all have to go there, and it's all done secretly and hidden. Well, it's obviously it's changed now, but I think it is a funny thing. I remember, uh, I, I mean, a WrestleMania story. I went to WrestleMania 25 with Alex Zane, mm. and we were walking across a street in uh, Houston, mm. and as we walked, there were two guys who were probably younger than us, and they were with their girlfriends, and as they walked across, they looked at Alex Zane, who has hair probably halfway down his neck, mm. And the guy did a double take. The girls all went, whoa. And the guy said, is it a girl or a boy? <laughs> now, this is... This to be is, fair, he does like dressing up in girls' clothes He was Any what, Halloween. What Alex chooses to wear <laughs> when he and I are on holiday together <laughs> should be no concern of anyone else's. But, yeah, it, it, it is funny. It, it, I think in this country as well, we used to have very camp flamboyant wrestlers like Adrian Street right. uh, in the 70s, but he was also a hard man. Mm. And people had a weird sort of thing where they didn't, Chant, poof da, poof da. Mm. In America, they slightly encourage that, and I think right. slightly. It, it, the reason as well why Adrian Adonis would be hard to put in the Hall of Fame is you're looking at what was essentially a hate the gay gimmick. Yeah, uh, and so with the clips of it, 
I think it would be hard to show how loathed he was without it looking like a really, uh, really uh, gimmick, like yeah. something from Nuremberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Heart Foundation versus Bulldogs. The Bulldogs. Yes. Well, it's it's a six man. This one. It's yeah. uh, the Heart Foundation and the referee, Dangerous Danny Davis. Oh, that's right. Okay. Versus the so... Bulldogs and Tito Santana. Big reason for this. Uh, everybody wanted to see Heart Foundation versus <clears> the Bulldogs. <throat> Probably uh, out of them, three uh, are the best wrestlers <clears throat> in the world at that time: the Bulldogs and Bret Hart. <clears throat> Jim Neidhart, really good as well as a tag team wrestler. Great stuff. In December 1986, the Bulldogs have got a match. I think it's against Cowboy Orton and, and Don Morocco. Mm. Just a nothingy match. Dynamite just does a simple move and his back explodes. Ooh. And it's done. He realises that if he's injured, he's going to lose out on all these paydays. So they begin sort of going, right, how can we do this that we can hide this in the hope that somehow it's going to fix itself? Mm. It never fixes itself. Right. So in this one, they've ma- they've put these other people in there because they can't have the match that everybody wants. Right. Dynamite just can't do it anymore. Mm. So they they put in these other guys. Dangerous Danny Davis is a former referee who's been giving fast counts to the Hart Foundation. Mm. And again, he shouldn't really be there. We don't want him there. Mm. The audience can't get enough of him. <laughs> when he comes in and does a little bit, they are like, oh, I can't wait to see this guy get his face punched in. <laughs> Perfect thing about wrestling. You don't have to be good. Mm. You just have to have a reaction from an audience. The Stone Cold versus the Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. Like yeah. that, that kind of gimmick of like getting one up on your on your boss and stuff. Like it's If you've got something that, that uh, resonates with people... Yeah. And, and credit to Danny Davis. He takes one of the great beatings during that match <laughs> it's, you get to see a tombstone pile driver from Davy Boy Smith right. that's, uh, that's... Uh, later popularised by The Undertaker so where you jump up in the air and with you, the t- yeah. you, the, you pick them up their head is sort of where your groin is and you just mm. drop to your knees yeah. and it's just uh, at that time I mean that move is just I mean you, nobody does it again for another four years mm. it's astonishing to sort of see it there they are doing it in Japan Dynamite Kid and David Boy Smith are in Japan a lot you do see it in their matches in the early 80s but I mean just in, in a ring they are so good the Bulldogs and mm. the heartbreaking thing about this is for Dynamite things just get worse right. so they've tried to my favourite part of this is they bring in Matilda the Bulldog at yes. the start that's a professional dog. <laughs> As they come in, it just goes for just everyone. Goes, well, it goes for uh, the mouth's megaphone, doesn't Jimmy it? Jimmy Hart, smeared, yeah. smeared with dog food, presumably. Oh, it's good. It really goes. She, <laughs> Matilda the dog really goes for it. It did make me a bit sad because she's probably long dead. Long, <laughs> long dead. Long, long dead. dead. The bulldogs didn't like her. Somebody somebody, uh, somebody makes a joke that uh, Jesse the Body Ventura might fuck dogs, which I well, quite like. You, you say point. it's a joke. <laughs> they say it in a way that... Like, you just go, God, they sound very serious about this. <laughs> so, well, just, just lay it out, lay out the accusation properly, guys. Yeah. So, someone says, <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Jesse Ventura is on the trolley with Matilda the dog. Mm. And <laughs> Mary Hart says, uh, th- th- Bob Uecker and, and Gorilla Monsoon both sort of say, oh, someone needs to check on that dog if it's left with Jesse Ventura. <laughs> and Mary Hart, like, sh- like they've just said, oh, you know, uh, uh, we're gonna we're gonna steal Jesse's jacket. She goes, Oh now you guys don't go spreading rumours. Don't go spreading rumours that Jesse Ventura is gonna fuck that dog if he gets a chance. It's a, what I like about And then Gorilla just goes no, they're not rumours, believe me. <laughs> I've worked with the body long enough to know that. And the woman just Does goes, say oh, that? Uh, yeah. The woman <gasps> then goes, I'm really sad to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, don't worry, don't worry. I mean, don't worry about it. The dog will be, you know, it'll recover. But, you know, <laughs> Jesse loves fucking them dogs. <laughs>
really odd. Oh dear. Uh, we also we're, we're Jesse Ventura's uh, dog fucking truthers, aren't we? Really? <laughs> we, are. we cannot get enough of that. I, I don't want to be sued for doing this podcast. I'll make it clear. We don't see whether Jesse fucks the dog or not. <laughs> I'm going to presume he doesn't. <laughs> I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. I I don't think Jesse Ventura is a dog fucker. No. I would say the late Gorilla Monsoon does make it sound like he is. <laughs> but Mr. Mr. Baseball, Mr. Dogfucker, they're the ones that are on the panel. Oh, it's the sadness when she says, "Oh, I'm sad to hear oh, that." Oh, sorry yeah. to hear that. Oh dear, you you wrestlers, <laughs> what you get up to with your disgusting <laughs> lives? Oh, never mind. No. Yeah. Uh, Bobby the Brain. Yes, an and iconic Andre. Andre the Giant. Yep. Standing there silently. <laughs> well, well, unlike the previous WrestleMania, yeah. where he had a crack in the mic, yeah. they cut him off halfway through. Yeah, he uh, didn't say a word in this one. No, he's yeah. re- He just looks brilliant. He looks brilliant. He looks, in this particular VT, he looks uh, very solemn, very stoic, doesn't and, he? Uh, he looks a fine figure. Yeah, he's he's really good, and I think I think actually Bobby Heenan's great mm. as the mouthpiece. Here. He's really good. There's there, there's a couple of bits like when all the wrestlers talk they quite quickly lose the thread of what they're saying mm. and it goes a bit stupid and silly yeah. and Bobby Heenan is just laser focused right saying you're good my guy is better mm. and he's going to win and I'm going to be rich right. it's so nicely done that you get someone who can actually formulate a sentence yeah and three sentences in a row that make sense yeah and they don't um, the, the speed doesn't get on top of them they're no. firing out words and they're like, oh, I've got something to con Absolutely. Yeah, right. they, get, they get across, you know, a fair bit of information smoothly, succinctly. Bobby mm. Heenan is the master at that. Right. I don't think he's ever done a bad promo. Just yeah. really, really good. Um, then we get the match, the natural Butch Reed with the Doctor of Style Slick versus Birdman Coco Beware with Frankie. Right. Slick strange looking fella was he a wrestler because he looks like he just walked on the set <laughs> he looks like a man who's about to get thrown out <laughs> he does he's the he's the son of a very popular regional wrestler called right. Rufus uh, Freight Train Jones right. and uh, I think it's Rufus Freight Train uh, certainly Rufus R. Jones uh, and uh, Slick is they're really proud of this and they say it all over their things he's the first African American manager, manager right, okay, in WWF yeah. and so to do that What's the best way of, of breaking that barrier? You make him this jive-talking... He's like a pimp sort of kind of guy, pimp, isn't he? Yeah. Pimpy guy. In real life, he was a born-again Christian. And he's now a reverend. You know, oh, he's really? got a ministry. Uh, but at the time, you know, it's so horrible when they have that thing of going, he's the first African-American guy. And what they don't do is show you what he had to do. Right, yeah, And yeah, yeah, again, yeah. it's the it's the urban black man mm. playing on the, the, the stereotypes that all of the people in Michigan who didn't like that sort of thing would have. Yeah. Wrestling, you know, when it gets cheap, it's annoying. It's, yeah. Um, uh, again, uh, we mentioned this last time. In wrestling, there's a funny thing about black wrestlers only have black friends. Mm. This is a match where you've got a black guy with a black manager versus another black guy. And it seems to mm. take place in a bubble. Um, there's some horrible stuff that Jesse Ventura says. So Coco Beware. Coco Beware was really good. He's an enhancement talent mainly. He never gets above a certain level. But the crowds loved him. The right. kids loved him. He's really super Love the talented. Parrot. Love the parrot. They love Frankie the Parrot. <laughs> Frankie the Parrot uh, seems to be taped to him at some point. Yeah. At various points. I, I was thinking, when, you, when you're when you like a wrestler, they go, Brutus, you're going to be the barber beefcake. Yeah. So you just have to carry these shears around. They do, you know, um, um, Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn brawler, they say, you need a, a Brooklyn baseball shirt and a cap. Right. With Coco Beware, they say, you're going to be the Birdman. 
and every day you're on the road, you're going to have to carry around a full-size <laughs> macaw. Right? So every Jake's, hotel Jake you check snake. in... Jake the Snake, you need two bags. <laughs> yeah. You're checking in two bags every time. You're paying extra. You're paying 25 quid. You see, Jake can hide that snake in a bag and you can get into any hotel. <laughs> a macaw, right? <laughs> every hotel you go in, you're going to go, I'm sorry about this, I've actually got a full-size African parrot. And they'll go, well, that's, that's not coming in here. <laughs> I was thinking about how he must have just had to, like, every town they're in, they're like, right, I'm going to get something to eat, I'm going to go to the gym, and then I need to find somewhere that sells millet. <laughs> <laughs> Just a nightmare. Um, Frankie died in 2001 in a house fire while Coco was at church. Oh. Yeah, he was really sad about it. He was really broken up. I don't um, like that story. But there's a horrible bit of, of, of Jesse Ventura stuff. And again, I do find it funny that it's been left on the network to this day. Yeah. So he comes in, and because there's all these guys, you know, you're thinking, well, it's Butch Reed, he, he's black, Coco's black, and uh, Slick is black. Mm. You sort of go, what they'll do now is they'll talk they'll take you away from that because otherwise it just looks like this is a weird token match yeah and instead Jesse Ventura they sort of go here he is Coco beware and Jesse Ventura goes straight in with um uh, uh, what does the B stand for the B stands for buckwheat he's got a brother called Stymie right okay I, I'm, I'm I don't I'm not sure about that we're British <laughs> we're British we don't know this <laughs> buckwheat and Stymie are two really famous young black children who were in the little rascals right in okay. the 20s <laughs> So Jesse. this is like a 60-year-old reference to uh, just some black people. And you've sort of gone, uh, what does the B stand for? Think of a black person. Uh, that one. You know, mm, it, it, mm. it's so depressing to still hear that there. Yeah. And I, I often think when you see people like Butch Reed and Coco Beware, if they hadn't been black, what would their careers have been like? Because they were both good in the ring. Mm. Coco especially. Coco could have been huge. Mm. And I think they always looked at him as being, yes, but you're the black guy. So there's a certain level you can get to and you're going to go no further. Mm. Um, Coco, funnily enough, did actually get uh, suspended at one point for having a fight with an executive who was being racist to him. Right, okay. And they reinstated him. So you, you, it was obviously a problem. Mm. And it was a problem for him personally hmm. uh, he's got some weird firsts so he takes part in the first ever match on the first Monday Night Raw and he's also the first person to ever uh, be pinned by The Undertaker is that right? yeah ah. the, the, one of the great gimmicks of all time <laughs> uh, but I, I love Coco he's still going Still doing well, occasional matches, yeah. Wow. Really how nice. old is he? Uh, I think he's 60-odd. Uh, but really nice story someone was saying about how they really liked him uh, as a kid and they were then a wrestler. Uh, it's on just a, a website that I saw, mm. uh, not a wrestler I'd heard of. And he was saying, he went up to Coco and he said, I really loved you as a kid. You were absolutely brilliant. Um, and they have their little match. Mm. And then he goes back and someone says to him, Coco's still in the ring and he's really, really calling you a piece of shit. And he's saying, come out. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat the hell out of you. Come out. So the guy's like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? <laughs> so he walks out and Coco beats the shit out of him. Anyway, he goes back to the thing. Coco Beware comes back in and he says, I'm really sorry. I don't quite understand what's happening. And Coco went, oh, I just, you know, he said, you saying you really like me, it just made me really excited. And I wanted to give all these people a really good show. And I wanted you to go, oh, I had a great match with Coco Beware. And it, such a nice guy. I love Coco. I saw him be inducted to the Hall of Fame uh, with uh, a bird that wasn't Frankie. Oh, I think that was a bit one disrespectful. One of those ones. <laughs> <laughs> All that work that poor carrot, carrot, that poor parrot did. Yeah, I know. Oh, it, I just, it's just the way that he moves around, and and the parrot really, like, is that he's trying to take off at one point. I, I just, I look at that How parrot. How is that allowed? You grew up in a jungle, and now you're here, <laughs> and you must think. 
this is a strange change from <laughs> what I should be doing. You know, oh, oh, watching like his his uh, you know his uh, his compadres, his uh, other birds being shot in the rafters <laughs> of the, the Michigan. Watching his owner being Silverdome. beaten up by a stranger again. <laughs> you know, just oh well, at least we'll be at least I'll be smuggled into a hotel later in a sack. <laughs> <laughs> at least I'll be cooed over by a young lady. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least I'll be put in the bathroom when Coco gets lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. <laughs> Steamboat versus Macho Man. Oh. This, is, this is it, isn't it? This is... Uh, this is good. I'd say it's the... Uh, is it the greatest match in WrestleMania history? Well, you're only three in. It's the greatest match so far. It's certainly the greatest match I've seen. Uh, what I liked about it was that it. I sort of measured on the WWE um, uh, app thing mm. how long the matches were in centimetres. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's it, by... by um, by a fair whack, I think it's the longest match in the show. Yeah, and to keep up that tempo and agility, it's amazing from the start to the finish is incredible. It's Fourteen like, minutes and thirty-five. It's exhausting to watch it. There You're like, is bloody hell, no stopping. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's there's some really funny stuff about it. It's not a traditional match. Randy Savage was notorious for not liking to do stuff on the fly. Normal wrestling matches, they'll say, this is the end. Yeah. You've got three get minutes there. to get yeah. there. And you'll do a bit of, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll improvise in the ring. Savage was not that guy. Savage was mocked quite rigorously because he would bullet point every Everything single thing. So he was sending Steamboat five pages of moves 
to memorise for how this do, match. How do you remember that length of... Like... They, they had a three-month build-up to it, and Savage began talking about it with Steamboat for three months in advance. A month ahead, they began practising it. Mm. So they would go uh, with the referee, and they would just begin doing it. People didn't like wrestling Savage because he was insistent that they remembered step by step, yeah. which they found hard. Yeah. You know, the whole point is you're a good wrestler. You can go out there, make it work with anyone and just remember what you do at the end. But, like, is it kind of just uh, you do little whispers and stuff? So, and this is coming, can you talk to each other yeah. when you sort of do there's it? There's certain communication. Yeah. There's certain sort of stances that you do that you'd know what the move was coming up. There's other stuff that you'll just sort of go, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, people do work out spots as well. I think less so here because a lot of it is just punch 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 you know then i'll whip you in the ropes mm. and i'll throw my arm out so you know it's a clothesline and hit you with the clothesline nowadays i think there is more sort of working out of spots and mm. things this is just i mean i mean it's beautiful to well watch. It, sh- it shows that, that there was some craft they, it shows that they'd um, grafted and crafted yeah I, you've also got two people savages at the peak here mm. and steamboat is everybody Everybody loved wrestling Steamboat. He's just something else. Mm. He's just really good. And at this point, he is so good. His 80s are great. He's just really, really good. This match is... Oh, it's beautiful, man. Mm. The two of them working together. Savage always said, he, you know, he, it, it was the match of his career. Yeah. He always wanted to have a better match and he could never find anyone to do it with. Mm. Steamboat goes on in the late 80s to have a series with Ric Flair, which is widely regarded as being the 20th century's greatest matches. They have two that are usually one and two in all the lists. Mm. And this is normally the third greatest match of the 20th century. Right. There are other arguments you can make, you know, especially as you get into the 2000s and you can put them in. But, I mean, this is a cast iron classic. It's mm. beautiful. Mm. You're right about the speed. It's just two people just... There's no breathing room. Yeah. Absolutely no, they're, they're, they're moving all the time. Like, nobody stops. No, no. There's no... There's not a breath, really. The funniest thing about it is, uh, I had a look at Dave Hebner, who's the referee. Mm. Dave Hebner uh, works at WWE for a long, long time, up until sort of the screw job, and then it sort mm. of begins falling apart. But Hebner is... Steamboat, in an interview, had said, don't forget how good Dave Hebner is in this. And Dave Hebner mm. does all the drama by jumping into position, sometimes halfway across the ring, <laughs> to get the one... Two and the second there's a kick out, Hebner is up on his feet before the wrestlers. Yeah, and if you watch him doing it, he's actually working as hard as the wrestlers. Yeah, he's beginning to sweat, but he <laughs> never lets up the pace. Yeah. And it's such a weird thing that I'd never thought about. You don't notice the referee, and in this one, you don't notice the referee because he's so good. He's mm. only ever there when you need him to be. But what a match this is! Mm. I mean, it's just I, 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 I've seen it oh, a million times, a million times. Mm. And actually, every time I come to it, I go, God, I forgot how good it was. Yeah. It's just delightful. I, should, I, I, I just, the, I don't know, the, uh, maybe because I, I was assuming there was some communication, I don't know how they remembered that, the no. whole thing. You know, no. it, you know they, it clearly paid off. I mean, I mean, I mean uh, Randy Savage's brother did an interview about this. Uh, there was an ESPN thing mm. talking about the match, by which time Savage had already died. So mm. his brother, Lanny Poffo, who's a, another wrestler who had a short run as a guy called The Genius, right. um, Lanny Poffo was saying... Savage regarded it, him and Steamboat, as being like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers. Mm. And there's that funny thing with Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, they have to remember the moves as well. Yep. They don't just improvise it. And it's good because they chose to do it that way. Yep. It would have been great if you'd have put them together anyway, but this was just something special. Mm. It's, it's a level of work that not many people would do, certainly not at that time. Yep. And they went out there with an express decision to steal the show. Yeah, They did that. At the end, the commentators after the Hogan and Andre match, are just talking 
it cuts back to Gorilla and Jesse, and they're just talking about the Steamboat Savage match. Mm. Everybody who was there, Mean Gene, people like that, they say it's the greatest match they've ever seen live. And it's, it, ah, if you're ever going to, uh, you know, if you're watching one match, I think your, your Steamboat Flare series in 89, it's a bit technical. It's mm. not as flashy. This one, everything comes together perfectly. It's the biggest crowd in wrestling history. It's dark. People have still got flashes on their cameras, mm. so it seems like a big deal. And it's just flawless. It's just lovely. Savage does a savage elbow as well off the top rope. <laughs> and it's known as being a move that you can't really fake. So right. Savage, when he did it, it would hurt you. <laughs> Good Lord. I mean, he almost cuts Steamboat's head off on it. It's just amazing. And it's it's so good to see. I, I Oh, man. Savage did say it was a bit of a heavyweight to bear mm. because he could never beat it. And he had a wrestling career that lasted, what, another probably just under 20 years. Mm. Never came close. Right. You know, heartbreaking. And it's just, I mean, if you were going to watch one WWF match, some people would say there's been better ones. Some people would even say there's been better WrestleMania matches. I think that that is just the benchmark. Well, I mean, it, it all kicks off with George Animal Steel. So, I mean, what else? I love George Steel. And he's got a green tongue. He has. <laughs> For some reason. He used to eat clarets. Is that why it's yeah. green? And you could buy a toy called Mine, and Mine was a scaled-down George that was just fur, but it had a bald head. It was revolting. And a green tongue, because oh, he used to just eat clarets. I don't know why he did the green tongue. He thought that was... Animals have green tongues. Yeah, did they? You'd have to eat a lot of clarets to I, get a green tongue. I don't think George had a problem with eating a lot of anything. <laughs> <laughs> just, maybe it's because he looked so kind of little and, and foul that he just wanted to always have a fresh breath. I always have chewing gum for that. It would be reason. a surprising thing if you met him. You go, oh, he's got nice breath. Because I didn't expect that. I thought <laughs> exactly. It, I thought it would stink. And the, and the, f- <laughs> and the fake doctor talking about some lungs oh. because uh, I can't remember who's even got the injury. Someone's uh, is it? Uh, this is this is is that is, is that uh, Steamboat's neck? Are we talking uh, yeah, about? I think yeah. so. Maybe. Well, he shows he basically this guy pretending to be a doctor, basically yeah. explaining that it's the worst injury he's ever seen, etc. Yeah, et cetera, I, so. I, he might not have been pretending to be a doctor. He might have been one of those <laughs> WWF doctors, oh, right, okay. which who are happy to, to get. <laughs> I mean, are they real? Or are they not? Can they write prescriptions? Is the most important thing. Who, who are the boys? Wants their candy. <laughs> What's the clarets? <laughs> the syringy clarets. Yeah. The sad thing is, Steamboat as well. He he has a son at this mm. time. Uh, that's not sad. That's great, great for him. But he was <laughs> one of the few wrestlers who decided he wanted to be a family man. Right. And so he basically said, "I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be here all the time." Fair dues. And so he he left. He left wrestling shortly afterwards. So he wins the belt in this great match, and they then have the honky tonk man a few months later beat him in a short match oh and, yeah uh, I mean Steamboat just disappears and it's right. it, I, 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 you know uh, from a selfish point of view you missed as a fan two years or three two, two years of Steamboat when he was at his peak because he had his family and he was a good you know a good dad mm. and it, you, you can't begrudge him that but it's impossible when you see that WrestleMania 3 thing to go, gosh, we lost two years of stuff like that. Yeah. So he and Savage, they had a short run afterwards, but they never had the classic, you know, the classic rematch. Yeah. Oh, that would have been great. <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Um, next, uh, it's penultimate, isn't it, I guess? Do yeah, uh, uh, you know three, what, Peter? It's never the penultimate. It keeps on going. <laughs> but imagine, I mean, they must have known that this was going to be, they must have known that Steamboat uh, and Matt Shaw, mm. they, they must have known that that was going to be, like, the best match. Yeah. <laughs> Surely, because they will have seen it yeah. a million times before when they were practising it. Um, yeah, and, and, and so... what's funny is they put two matches in afterwards yeah. because they don't want a tired crowd. 
They want yeah. the matches that, that, and they still do this to this day. Right. They'll often have, I mean, I mean for a, a time in the 2000s, there'd always be a women's title match between the semi-main event and the mm. main event. Okay. And it was just a thing where you could go and get a beer. Right. You wouldn't mind, you know, and it was, you know, very derogatory. This one, they do the same. The match before Hogan's match, yeah. which is a tag team match, is the one that people would have gone right? I'm off to get a beer. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to stretch my legs. And they 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 distanced the Savage and Steamboat from Hogan and Andre for that very reason. Right. Okay. Because Honky Tonk is a wrestler that I uh, remember. Yeah. One of the few that I do remember. He made all the arcade games. Yes. When that's I first right. got interested in wrestling, I found him fascinating. Yeah. There was a guy who looked like Elvis Presley, <laughs> who would hit people with guitars. <laughs> I am. And I am all in. A varying, um, a varying quality. I've noticed there were there seem to be there seem to be like guitars that look like they really hurt and there seem to be guitars that just yeah. look like nonsense. In the little recap, they show him hitting Jake the Snake Roberts. That's who's right. His opponent in this. Yeah. They show him hit, him being hit with a guitar, and you'll notice Jake doesn't really sell it very well because <laughs> the first hit has basically knocked his brains out and he's unconscious <laughs> on the floor. And Honky Tonk looks at the guitar, and the problem is it's not gimmicks at all. No, it's, it's a real no, guitar. It's a real guitar. And he looks at it and he goes, "Shit, this hasn't smashed. This looks crap." This doesn't look real. So he hits him another three times with it, and the thing doesn't break. And it's just, you're being, basically being hit, metal. hit with some oak. I mean, and a metal pull through the oh, neck as well. I mean, it's just insane. <laughs> it's got that thing of, yeah, it's not very, maybe it's not very thick. It's thick enough. But the structure of its body yeah. means that thing ain't yielding. <laughs> no, oh, isn't. my Lord. Anyway, later on, yep, they begin getting gimmick ones. Right, okay, but, oh, yeah. Jesus Christ, poor Jake Roberts. Oh, you, but do they just assume the first time that, because they're just big guys, <laughs> everything's fine? You know, these, uh, when you're a pioneer, <laughs> you, everyone would have thought this must have been done before. Someone must have smashed a guitar over someone's head. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, they just explode. Crack. <laughs> Oh, Should God. we try and work out how we can make one that explodes? Rather than... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, it's a boring match, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, it's honky-tonk, man. God bless him. I, you know, that gimmick was good, but the second <sighs> the bell rings... Mm. It was just a... Yeah, I, I... Yeah. Alice Cooper didn't look very well. Not at all. <laughs> Although, they also... Jesse Ventura starts slagging him off and going, he's got a sunken chest and everything. Yeah. Well, mate, I'm not a wrestler. He's not a wrestler. I'm Alice, Alice Cooper. Cooper. I'm million-selling artist Alice Cooper. <laughs> you know, and his, uh, his album that came out a year before was called Constrictor, so it kind of fits. Oh, that, yes, with the snake yeah, on. with the snake thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was he was all about snakes, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a shitty match. Yeah. Poor old... Really. Poor, Jake Roberts didn't have good matches, particularly at WrestleMania. Right. I think WrestleMania 6, he has a decent-ish one against Ted DiBiase. But uh, if you just watch WrestleMania, you'd never understand why Jake Roberts was, was so, so, popular. so great. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame. He, he, never, he never had a good WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the Snake performs well in this as well. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jimmy Hart, who's the manager, he's uh, managing Honky Tonk. He has to get sort of attacked by the snake at the end. Mm. And he was legitimately terrified of snakes. <laughs> and he was wriggling so much when Jake Roberts holds him so Alice Cooper can throw the snake at him that he really damaged his neck. Because he was Jeez. just so terrified. <laughs> it's a strange thing. A hundred thousand people. You've seen the snake. These are the people you work with, and you're still going. I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> this is so awful. Oh dear. Um, Hacksaw Jim's little two by four with the flag on it. Ah, uh, Hacksaw That's Jim. That's adorable. Duggan. Uh, the two by four. It was never explained why he had that. No. Just carries a plank around. Hack, well, Hacksaw. He's hacked it off, hasn't he? Yeah. They called him like pistol. Jim Duggan is <laughs> carry a pistol and shoot people <laughs> at close range. Why has nobody oh, ever had an air care? I've won again. Why- <laughs> Why is that anybody's? there not an? Uh, is, there, is there never an NRA kind of character like an absolute? No, there hasn't not. been. There have been some like military ones. Yeah, but they've always been very much the 
sort of drill sergeant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't. They don't really they do. Don't, they don't go into They don't munitions. do mad staring soldiers <laughs> who have lost their fucking mind in <laughs> Vietnam. Yeah, that'd be great. Jarhead. Oh, Billy Jarhead. Oh, that guy from um, Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> yes. Forget what his name is, but he would have been a good wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from obviously he's got uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um, this match is Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov with Slick again versus the Killer Bees, B. Brian mm. Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel. Yes. Good good tag team Killer Bees. Uh, really okay. underrated. Yeah, really nice. Um, Jumping Jim Brunzel. Bees don't jump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> annoying nickname. Um Sheik's last big appearance uh, at a WrestleMania, uh, and there's a reason for that. He gets uh, into a car in uh, 1987, and uh, it's pulled over by the police, and mm. he's sitting next to Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, right, okay. Uh, and they have been smoking a joint, and the policeman notices that they've been smoking a joint, and he searches the glove compartment, where Sheik has kept three grams of cocaine. <laughs> now... Uh, they both get arrested. I mean, to be fair, have you seen his Twitter out for? I think three grams of cocaine <laughs> is probably what Quiet was left day. over. <laughs> Quiet day. <laughs> yeah. uh, the two hell. of them got arrested, but this became a huge story <laughs> because, as you can see from this match, mm. they were supposed to be feuding against each other. One was mm. a bad guy and one was a good guy. We're one's still on at the a wing, point. one's on the go. <laughs> <laughs> we're still at a point where the mainstream media are like, wrestling is fixed, but most people are like, no, I don't think it is. Right. And the media went crazy for this story because you have two guys who are in a big <laughs> rivalry, one a bad guy, one a good guy, and they are sitting getting high in a car together on the New Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> Vince McMahon goes fucking crazy. Sheik is fired. But, I mean, but surely um, wrestlers have to drive together, have to travel together, don't they? I mean, but... back in these days, they were pretty much travelling along the lines of they would have a good guy's locker room and a bad guy's locker room. Oh, uh, right. Okay. And they were told to be very, you know, back, yeah, just really, be careful, yeah. really back in the eighties, they weren't particularly like in the same hotel bar because there'd always be someone sort of going, "Oh, it's not real." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose the thing they didn't want was a photograph of all of them that would then appear just in just hanging thing. out. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember being in Japan the first time, second time I went to Japan. Actually, uh, we were in a bar. Like, terrible bar and uh, we'd met like this this, this mm. young Irish guy and you know short but yeah. fucking he was a wrestler yeah. and he was you know a job in wrestler and and uh, and this other guy he, I think his thing was like a Maori kind of gimmick um, from New Zealand or something mm. and uh, he would not let up he was going, yeah, so I, I was going, oh, how you doing, guys? He's like, Jesus, like, when's your next match? I said, where are you resting? You know, we've just been to Kurokan Hall to watch uh, New Japan. Uh, and he was like, uh, yeah, I'm going to kick this guy's ass in the ring later on. I'm like, mate, it's uh, it's one o'clock in the morning and we're getting pissed. <laughs> You're pissed. You're trying to get off with that girl over there. I, I, Fucking calm it down, I, all right? I, I, like, I, I, I just like that because, I mean, wrestling <laughs> is about suspension of disbelief. If you sit there and you go, uh, this is all, like my, I'm 35, like my fucking dad did. Whenever I'd sit there and he'd go, mm, yeah, in real life, you just punch him in the face. Yeah, I know you would. I know you would. But, but you know, you don't watch Charlie the Chocolate Factory and go, yeah, in real life, the Chocolate Factory doesn't look like that. It's just annoying. <laughs> so I sort of go, oh, I quite like that. Right. What this is, is this is the first time that the media go, gotcha. Got you. Got right, you. Okay. Here's the thing. Like, it goes in. Story, and this word. is seen as being the, the first major nail in the death of kayfabe. Right. And kayfabe is the if you like, it's the term for wrestling protecting itself by refusing to let outsiders in mm. and saying we are a legitimate sport with no mm. fixed outcomes. Um, this is the, the first nail in the coffin mm. where people go, hang on, if you two hate each other so much, how come you was getting high? Yeah. Um, it ruined sort of Duggan's career. He believed he was really up for big things and they brought him back 
but they never really did anything. He never held a belt. Ah. He never he never sort of got beyond a certain level. And he believes it's all down to that. I should imagine it probably was. In some ways, the two of them sort of broke the business. Mm. You know, it, it probably and and the chances that it would have remained like that anyway in the digital age, e- even in the sort of you know the eighties, it, uh, it it was going to break sooner or later. Mm. Eventually, it breaks kayfabe entirely because the McMahons decide. They're paying a tax because it's a sport mm. when they go to certain venues. They have to pay a sports tax. Well, they go to they court and say... They pretend it was like a, a, a show, didn't they? Yeah, they, so they, they go to court it. and say, no, it's it's entertainment. This isn't a sport. Mm. And so that is the thing that really breaks kayfabe mm. because it's a court I remember case that by, as a non... By, as yeah. a non I don't remember the, the, that, that particular case, but I remember them getting reclassified. Yeah. Like the Jaffa cake, biscuit versus cake thing. Exactly, yeah. So they, they, they do that. But this is the, the first time where the crack appears. They later do it for profit, but this is just done because of a fuck-up. It, it's worth saying Duggan had no idea the Coke was there. Right. He was really, really upset with the Sheik okay. when, when it turned out that was there. Um, uh, I, I like Duggan. There was always something mm. about him. He's, he seems like a really, really nice guy. Um, <laughs> and the Sheik's the Sheik. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. And then finally, we're at the main event. Yeah. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Probably the biggest sort of main event you could ever deliver. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, I can't think of a... Yeah. It, it, it's, <laughs> it comes at a time, though, where there was no worse time for this match. Mm. Andre the Giant is done. So yeah, he's, he looks... There's, there's a point where... I, it, it makes me sad that they've fallen out in the storyline because mm. um, they used to be friends, and Andre is booed. Yep. Uh, yep. He's a baddie now, and I, I don't like that. Uh, I, and that it's makes crazy. me crazy. Because he's... It's such a solemn beast yeah. of a man. And it was, it's, a, it's a weird thing. They did exactly the right thing for wrestling. But this comes uh, six months before he's basically disappeared because he's in England filming The Princess Bride. Right. Where he plays, is it Fezziwick or Fezziwick? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's a giant. And, and, and he's hoping to have an acting career coming out of that. Mm. And the reason he's working on his acting career is because his back is destroyed. Mm. So he's had some surgery in England, and they basically said to him, you know, that's it. You know, things have... You're just... You're too big. Your bones have taken too much pressure. You know, we can alleviate some of the pain, but your wrestling is over. Mm. Now, Andre, all he's ever done in his life is wrestle, and he loves it. He Mm. loves hanging out with the boys. He loves being in the ring. He loves the crowds, and it's over. He's depressed, and a lot of people said he'd basically gone to England to die. Mm. And Vince McMahon contacts him, flies over and says, look, I want you to be doing this. You're the only person who can go against Hogan and sell out this 93,000-seat venue. So he comes over and Andre has to be really persuaded into doing it Mm. because he knows he can't. And he's also, I mean, he's so sort of aware of his own legacy. He didn't want to look pathetic in the ring. And so for him to sort of go, I don't know if this is going to work. They had some funny stuff where they didn't know quite until the day of who was going to win. Right, okay. So they even made a WWF title belt that was bigger, and it cost them about 30 grand, <laughs> in case they wanted, to, case give they it wanted to, to give it to Andre. Yeah. yeah. So they weren't sure at all. Um, Bobby Heenan had been told that Andre was going to win earlier in the day. Hogan says he didn't find out until the evening who was going to win. Hogan is... N- he's not reliable. Well, yeah. But also, what I would say is that um, wrestling a man who's like that and who's so immobile at that point... Yeah. Makes, ...means that you have to surely... You surely, you surely have to know exactly what you're doing. Otherwise, you're the main event, and you're not. Yeah. And you don't know what the fuck's going on. And and I, I, Andre's not the best wrestler in no. the world at this point, if indeed he ever was. No, like, I mean they, they, he was so bad. There was they, they weren't even sure whether 
Hogan would be able to slam him because they weren't sure whether Andre would even be able to sort to of jump, to yeah, get to, into yeah. position to take it to yeah. land. Yeah. There's a bit where he falls over and it's like a fucking tree going he, down. He lands on his elbow oh, and it's thumps. Oh. You can almost sort of see the ring entirely mm. bounce. He is, I mean, he's supposed to be 500 pounds. He could have been more or less. They lie about the height. The weight often tends to be stuck right. at a thing. So some people are sort of much heavier than, uh, especially if you're sort of like an Andre the Giant mm. or, or Yokozuna. Mm. The, the, the weight goes up and up and up but it never gets changed mm. Andre is there's there's one part of it that I, I, I you know they're going back and forth about this thing and Andre is living at Vince McMahon's and I think there's part of that is they wanted to keep an eye on him they wanted to go can he go through with this mm. there's rumours that they had Paul Orndorff who is noticeably not on this card that Paul Orndorff was there to step up in case in Andre couldn't do the main event so right. they really are going back and forth on this I think they're saying to Andre you can have the belt champ you know you can be the champ um, and I think that's all to try and coax Andre along. I was thinking about, I'd love Andre to live at my house for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have a reality show called I Live With An Andre. In the granny annex. Yeah. <laughs> who's, who's damaged the stairs? <laughs> <laughs> that's me, boss. Um, so Andre comes out for, for this match, and he's he drinks beforehand 14 bottles of wine. Nice. And... That's too, that's he too is, many. He that's is one wobbly. too many. He is wobbly in that <laughs> ring. Um, it's it's Hogan in a lot of ways. You know, Hogan isn't regarded as being the great wrestler. He's a good performer. Mm. Uh, but this is one of his finest hours because mm. he has to do everything. And Andre is... is how do you say... It's like wrestling an like a static caravan. It's like, yeah. You're having to do everything for him. Absolutely, yeah. They used to say, you know, like Terry Funk, he could have a good match with a chair. Right. You know, he could he can manage that. There's a fun match where Kenny Amiga takes on a nine-year-old girl. Right. In a, in oh, a yes, I have program. seen that, yes. And that's, you know, he's, that's very entertaining. Hogan <laughs> is with someone who he's actually a bit frightened of mm. because he thinks if Andre stops cooperating in front of all these people, there's um, nothing I can do about my it. My knee's going to explode. I, I'm going to be crushed. <laughs> and Andre is just... He, he can't do very much. Mm. And I think, you and know... he's drunk. And he's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and Hogan just... I mean, Hogan gets something out of him. Uh, it's... Again, you watch it back and you go, God, blimey. <laughs> those people watching it live, they cannot get enough of it. They can't get enough of it. Um, it it's... Uh, visually, it looked great as well. Andre's in that black leotard. Mm. He's got a black leotard because he's wearing a back brace. So he's not wearing right, trunks okay. anymore. He's got to cover yeah. up his back brace. Uh, Hogan's in gold. It couldn't be any clearer who is good and who is bad. You know, the, the Aryan Superman and this <laughs> monster. Just a monster. And it's oh, it's so thrilling. Um, so he beats uh, Andre. He mm. picks him up. He slams him. That had happened quite a few times in Andre's career, but they do it like it's never, ever happened. Most of the people would never have got to see... You know the times in Mexico or Japan where he where gets where somebody actually yeah, yeah exactly. So, was that always good? I, I wonder how because I mean presumably he was explained like five minutes of the match you're not going to win this one and yeah. he had to just do it and he had to just lose. Yeah, like, I, how I, would that kind of because I mean yeah. I, I mean I mean I think they over egg. We didn't know what right, was going okay, on, okay. but I mean I mean Andre I mean Andre if they'd given him the belt and ironically later in the year they do, but by that point he's very immobile. They give him the belt really because they want to say. You, you've still got it. You're still the champ because they love him. They absolutely everyone loves Andre. He's he is the business. He is everything that's exciting. You know, he's he's the one man who has worked everywhere and everywhere he goes, he's the special attraction. You stick Andre on your bill, you'll sell out. Yeah. You know, he is probably the greatest professional wrestler of all time. Mm. Um, 
he's not in this, and that's the sad thing. And he knows it, but everyone else is geeing him up. You, you can do it, you know. Mm. We might give you the belt, you'll be the champion, won't that be nice? And I can imagine he's just going, don't give me the pressure, mm. you know. He gets it a, a while later, by which point he's even worse, and mm. he's really having trouble, you know, and it's, it's just a sad end. And this is his, if he'd have just stopped here, yeah, to go out in front of the biggest crowd that, you know, I think legitimately no one else could have sold out with Hogan mm. you know Hogan is a huge part of WrestleMania 3 success but Andre the Giant is the only opponent that could have filled that arena yeah. and it's ah man I, every time I look at Andre it just makes me sad because I, I love him so much I really love him I love, I love all the stories about him mm. I like watching him in the ring and you see him here and do you know what he just looks like he's going to just burst into tears at any minute mm. it's so sad that's the thing I love about wrestling as well where you go from that thing of going it's a fake sport to that thing of going, this is actually someone's life. Mm. And you're really, really watching a sort of strange watershed moment mm. in a real man's real life. Yeah. And he's also seven foot four. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a spectacle of nothing else. Yep. And how does it end? It ends with a reprise of Aretha Franklin's uh, America the Beautiful yes. over stills that we've seen. And at the point where they go, America, it's a still of Slick, the African-American manager, who's had all of his clothes ripped off and he's screaming in agony. <laughs> a fitting end. A fitting end. And this is where it all started to get a little bit too, if you'll excuse the dinner phrase, Slick. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but don't worry, because next time we're taking a trip to Trump Plaza. Yay! WrestleMania 4! Goodbye! A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.